The title of our message is, Are We There Yet? Y'all say, Are We There Yet? There you go. Today we want to remind you of our purpose, mission, vision, and values of Remnant Church. We just so happen to have it on a pamphlet over there if you haven't read it. But we want to go into some detail. First and foremost, our purpose is to gather those called by their father to know him in order to make him known. Come on, who wants to spend the rest of their life making the father known to sons? Raise your hand. That is what we are doing right now. It's a beautiful thing that we are sitting in a living room. I was talking to some brothers beforehand. I think God's been doing this on purpose the whole time. He's building a family. He's building a tight-knit group of people so that we might reflect sonship, so that they might see the Father. This comes out of Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children's uh, hearts to the fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Come on, we live in a fatherless generation, but guess what? He's raising us up to turn the sons back to their fathers. Amen. The first one was purpose. The second one, the mission of Remnant Church is to grow, equip, and mature every saint for the work of the ministry. Not Pastor Landon's ministry, not Pastor Devin's ministry, but the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, of Remnant Church. It is his ministry at the end of the day. This comes from Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, and it says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Come on, when I look across this room, I see men and women of God who are growing, they are being equipped, equipped, and they are maturing, amen? And we will continue to do so because that is Remnant Church's mission for you and for everyone who would walk in the door, that one, they would come to know the Father in heaven and make him known everywhere they go, and that two, they would continue to grow, be equipped, and mature so that they can learn to work the ministry. For the Lord, amen? Guys, this is a big mission. According to Ephesians 4, it's not just pastors that do the work, amen? Yeah, amen. We have prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip every single one for the greater works of service in Christ Jesus. We need to understand that we need one another. This is our mission. We will not move forward unless we stand shoulder to shoulder as brothers, and it will not be accomplished unless we all take part in the mission. Our vision is to give fully mature sons and daughters to the nations. The nations is the center of God's heart. Amen? Amen. Until the full harvest has come in and the bride has made herself ready. And King Jesus is enthroned in Jerusalem. Amen. Micah 4, verse 6 through 8 says, In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame. And I will gather those who have been driven away and those who I have afflicted. And the lame I will make the remnant. And those who were cast off a strong nation, and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from the time forth and forevermore. And you, O watchtower of the flock, hill of the daughter Zion, to you shall it come. 
the former dominion shall come, kingship from the daughter of Jerusalem. Come on, this is a part of the work. He's gathering a remnant. A remnant to us isn't just remnant church. It's the whole earth. This isn't a remnant church thing. This is a Jesus thing. And remnant church gets to be a part of it. This is a greater vision. What remnant church is... What remnant church values the most are these four things. To guard Holy Spirit empowerment. A lifestyle of evangelism and missions. Historical Christian orthodoxy and eternal family. Holy Spirit empowerment, lifestyle of evangelism and missions. Historical Christian orthodoxy and eternal family. Of course, the Great Commission, you guys know it, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Church, this is Remnant Church's purpose, mission, vision, and values. Some of you have been here when Pastor Mike preached those messages. This time last year, it was right before the church burnt down. He preached some of these messages. They're on YouTube. You can go back and listen to them. They will bless you. These things are the very heartbeat of Remnant Church. They are at the core of everything that we do. We as a body and a leadership team are not aimless or directionless because our footsteps are guided by the one true king in the heavens amen we are not teaching on these this morning again the messages are on youtube for you to go back and listen to but this morning we did want to take some time to remind you and reignite an excitement a gratitude and a heartfelt passion one for king jesus and two for everything that he's doing among us everything that he's done in the past, and everything he's going to continue to do in the months and years to come. So Pastor Devin's got another fun slideshow for you. Y'all be blessed by this. All right, so raise your hand if you've been here for five years at Part of Remnant Church. Okay, raise your hand if you've been four years, three years, two years, one year. First service. Hey! Amen. All right, so this is going to apply to all of you. We've been here for five years now, and this is the journey ahead of us, and this is what's happened thus far. We're going to catch you up on some of the things that the Lord's done over the years. Are you, you ready for that? All right, here we see January 24th, 2018. This is before we knew any single one of you. This is when Dylan had really weird hair. Okay, and this is where I was super young looking. We and came Pastor here. Mike was a stud, as always. At this moment, we were uh, serving at the Arising Church. My parents were help pastoring um, with a team of pastors there and seeing a local revival break out. Throughout the years, though, God has been speaking, uh, had been speaking something to us, and that was that he had a heart for DFW. We didn't know at what time or when, but we just knew he was calling us. Well, in January 24th, this is the first time we ever planted our feet on the ground. 
We, we're praying all throughout DFW, and we're considering, Lord, where is your harvest? Obviously, your harvest is everywhere, but where would you have us take our shovel to? Well, as you see, that is the Denton Square, as we love. Actually, that's LSA right there. We probably had some good food there, too. But we started to, our hearts started to stir for the city of Denton. We went to Plano, Frisco, Flower Mound. And praise God, some of you live there. But what God was showing us is that we needed to plant in Denton. Yeah. Amen. We're in Denton now. Come on. April 22nd. This is our second trip. We have some friends from LCM with us. And I believe we moved here. This was the first week that we're here. Man, look at how handsome John looks right there. <laughs> But that's who it was. We came down with uh, John. We came out with the Stratus. We came down with the Haas family at the time. Um, and am I missing anybody else? That was it. That was it. 2018. This was the first week of being in Denton. This was our first service ever. So we spent the first few weeks. We started um, going around. I know it's hard to see. From, I'm going to start zooming in for the people in the back. This was our first service, May 12th, 2018. Um, hey, look, it's Tracy. Come on, Miss Tracy. Um, we had some brothers and sisters, Dustin and his wife. Uh, they're actually pastors in Fort Worth now. But we started having church in our living room, and I think there was all of 10 people maybe. Um, but at this moment, I was leading acoustically on a guitar. I think Dylan was on a drum. Uh, Dad would prepare a message for us, and that's how you start a church. All right, June 6, 2018, we started to see a need for um, having more permanent location. Now, this here is the pawn shop. A lot of you guys know this, but there was a staircase that went through a junkyard. It was really sketchy. <laughs> and we entered into this building right here, and many of you, y'all's first impressions is like, okay, are we going to get killed? Are we going <laughs> to... Right across from the county jail. Yeah. And the homeless see, shelter. This is what it started with. Um, this was our first men's meeting. See Chuck there. Um, all the guys hanging out. Chuck's We're front porch. And this is when we started building brotherhood. September 30th, 2018. It's our first service here in the, in the loft. We'll just call it the upper room. Now, this was right before you get into to the right of you. That's the apartment that we all lived in. And we started having church in the living room. But when you first walked in, there was kind of this breezeway or this storage place. And we made it into a full-blown sanctuary. I think the lights really did it. Um, but look. We started having service September 30th, 2018. And uh, the Lord started bringing folks. And uh, it was his spirit that drew all men. January 20th, 2019, we're entering into 2019 and God's starting to establish this church. We see people like Ashland bringing so many people to the congregation. Come on! We had a season where we saw that college students from UNT were beginning to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Some parents were not happy about that. But, praise God, he's, we have beautiful relationships with them now and even some of them are moving here. Yes, all came, and the first thing that we talked on was the Holy Ghost. Who remembers that series for those that were there? Yes. 
That's that the best first series to walk into right there. At this time, to build context, Landon had been at the church for all of one week, two weeks. Um, yeah, we were the first Sunday of January. And I think, what was your wife, the second Sunday of January? Yeah. And then we, uh, Kason and Kendall had been there for like two, three weeks too. Do you know it better than me? Four They're months. not here to defend themselves. We won't talk about them. All right. We saw, we saw brothers from the One Association start to come, preach a message, um, and it was amazing to have brothers begin to visit our church. All right, so we moved to the MLK Center. Who knows where the MLK Center is? Okay, so we were at the MLK Center. Uh, we moved out of that space for a season. We entered into the MLK, and you know what's beautiful? Every time we make a move, we kind of pick up somebody along the way. It's strategic. It's God's, it's God's plan. It's God's design. But we see that we're growing. All right, we started to have a home groups or, or just meetings where we're talking about the scriptures. This is when Pastor Eric was in town. This is uh, Landon eating something. John's, John's eating, eating it something. harder than I am. Yes. Well, this is April nineteenth. Uh, All right, here's our humble little worship team. We've come um, a long way. Yes. Um, and uh, that's fun. Oh, look at that. There's, there's the uh, not Pastor Landon yet and Emily. Yes. So vibrant. Real. At this point, um, they were living at the Schobert's house. Uh, yeah, just moved into the Schobert's house, being discipled. and First baby on the way. And having no clue that God's called them to shepherd his people. All right, let's see. Work. This. Oh, oh. Okay. This is Pastor Kaysen and Kendall. Same date night. And they were not yet pastors of the church either. There's me and Jamie. The first wedding of Remnant Church. The significance of this is I got married to Jamie. <laughs> no, but we're building this context here. God's raising up families. I was not married yet. I'm getting married, and God's building a team. Amen. All right, here's the bros right here. Okay, backstory to this. And sorry, this is more of a family meeting than anything. Yeah, you're getting to know us real well today. We thought it would be hilarious. This was the day that COVID started. We thought this would be hilarious if we got Corona. Sit in the back of the bed of the truck and take a photo and advertise it for our company. We didn't end up doing it because that was not hilarious. That was a bad idea. Okay, but this is the team right there. All right, April 19th, 2020. We're in 2020 now. You see that Pastor Kaysen is starting to pastor like he is amazing at doing. He's preaching messages that slaughter your heart in the Holy Spirit. We see that we're beginning to grow a fellowship of people who love one another. It's not just about Sunday morning. It's about being a part of each other's life. All right, November 3rd, 2020. The place that you're standing in right now doesn't look like that. You can see here that we're currently standing in an atrium. We're currently standing in an atrium, um, which was outside 
There was two trees. We had to cut it down. And the Holy Spirit's like, man, you're going to have to make room for the people. So what you're seeing now is we cut the rafters, we cut the roof, and we built a ceiling so that we can unlock some more square footage here. This was November 15, 2020. And I remember, can anybody remember the excitement over being in this place? This is our first bonfire, which we have many every Sunday night. Isn't this one of the most beautiful places to be around at nighttime? This is God's building the fellowship. We're starting to see that the Holy Spirit's moving in power, that he's building a community of people, and that we get to um, have a place called home. Amen? Amen? We're building the roof. We're building the atrium. And then we have our first service on January 3rd, 2021. On. Opening up the new year. Hasn't this been a journey? Yeah. Okay, so we're going through and we're sitting... And we begin to see that we're meeting similarly. We didn't have any chairs uh, during worship because we can't fit that many people. And uh, we put out chairs for Sunday morning, and it's so unorganized and amazing. And God begins doing a work. People are on their face. This is pre-service prayer. This is where it starts for us because uh, if we're not seeking his face, what are we even doing? God's beginning to build a ministry team. We see that, um, that the Schoberts are called to pastor the people that are partnering with my parents, with Pastor Mike and Jim, um, and beginning to uh, see things take root here in Denton. Look at that beard. Look at that mustache. <laughs> Man. Okay. So that's May 30th, 2021. June 6th, 2021. We continue to see God growing the church. Growing us, um, not so much in number, but definitely in maturity. And you see that Pastor Kaysen is growing into all he's called to do. All right, this is the one association. Who? I guess we were invited to this one. No, we were. No, what the significance of this is that um, without me knowing it all my entire life, God called me to uh, pastor his people as well. And what a privilege it's been to pastor you. We can, he's establishing the team. He's growing the team. That's the significance of this photo here. Again, we're growing. We're, we're around the fire. We're being in, intimate in the Lord's presence with one another, and God's building this community. December 9th was Pastor Kaysen and I's ordination. Um, February 1st was the first singles class. Hey, raise your hand if you're a part of that. Oh, man, there's... Oh, Avery I mean, was a part of that. Come on. That's what, Praise that, God, you're not single anymore. That's what anymore. that is. He wasn't single then either. No, he wasn't single. Hey, but also, praise God, we have a few less single people since then. Woo! April 10th, 2022. Just a good service. God's building the... T the oh, look at that. So the significance of this is God's adding children. The race had had two children since this time as well. But God blessed us with two boys. All right. Uh -oh. May 7th. This is when the fire fell in the wrong way. That was some strange fire. All right. So we see there's smoke coming. It's not the Shekinah glory. No. Dude, it would be amazing if this was the Shekinah glory. We were like, dude, the fire department had to come. The Holy Spirit fell so hard in that place. 
but that's not the case. So we had a fire in the back room. Um, there was smoke damage in the entire church, and then you guys know the rest. For a year, we've been dis- displaced. Let's see. Oh, that's that crispy room back there. I think that's the room you're staying in, isn't it? It was just being consecrated for Jamie and I to live in. It looks way better now. The Lord's hands all over it. <laughs> and then the next day, we're at the shed. Praise God. Hey, look, look who this is. It's Morgan and Brittany. Woo! Guys, how valuable is it whenever you have a, a family like the Hunters walk into the door? And the truth is, is that we go on a journey for a year and God's bringing more of you into the door and it's everything that we ever needed. Praise God that we had that fire because we wouldn't be the church that we are now. All right. A couple more photos. July. We're having, we're having home group or discipleship training at the Tico's house. You can see that we're moving all over the place. In August, we got bored, so we built a house in the back. (laughs) I can tell you that the testimony of being able to build that thing is amazing. Uh, The Schoberts, they sold their house and took all the money that they had, um, and we put it and we sewed it into building this thing. We got that far. We did did everything on this house, Um, and we just learned how to build a house, like overnight. And uh, now my parents live in the back. Praise the Lord. God would continue to provide provision, money from random places. We had an amazing um, uh, person give to this, to make this happen. And then we saw it completed. November 19th, 2022. We go on a trip to Florida. And this is kind of our first trip where we realize, or that we're calling the raise into being disciples as pastors. And this was the first trip where we got to operate as a team and minister to our extended family. November 27th, we can see that we're having our first service in Crumbs, Texas. (laughs) He did a beautiful thing there too. He brought us into a time of being at a wedding venue because he was calling us uh, to be in covenant with him. And now we're back home. You see Pastor Landon being in a place where he's starting to preach the word boldly. Have you been blessed by Pastor Landon? He's teaching at home group um, or at Thursday night. And uh, we're meeting at the Hunter's house. March 24th. We're starting to get pretty bold with our faith. We're moving down to the the square. Now we've been ministering at the square for the last four years uh, at evangelism. But God called our church out to the square, and uh, it made an impact on the city. We started to see churches gather throughout the community, um, embolden their faith to be all that God's called them to be. Uh, You can see that we're doing prayer and worship, and it was a beautiful time. We met people like Caleb and Ray, who are sitting in the back now. And... uh, the Lord begins to encourage us to shine forth and shine brightly for his name. Amen. April 11th, this was soon, or this was just around the corner. We are finishing, we are finishing this um, building. Cool testimony. 
when you walk outside, you see there's a big old remnant sign on the front. I think it was two or three years ago that Evan, where's Evan? Raise your hand. He had a dream from the Lord about there being a big old light up sign on the front of a house that said remnant church. Okay, we did not do that on purpose, by the way. I recalled it after we were done. I was like, dude, that is a sick looking sign on that house. And he was like, yeah, dude, I had a, had a dream about that three years ago. I'm like, praise the Lord. I was just going to do it because it looked cool. <laughs> All right. And now, um, this was our last service. Oh, I'm sorry. This was our last service last week. Ooh, we had friends. All those in, people. We had friends from the wedding. Um, we had friends in town. Um, but this is going to be what Remnant Church looks like soon because we're not just a church a house church, we're a church in a house, and we're a church without walls, and God's bringing a harvest, and to remind you, throughout this entire journey, when we came in, we had Pastor Massey from a rising church come in and say, the Lord's preparing you for the harvest, it's time to position yourself for the harvest, this is what we've been doing, we have been, as a church, on a journey, and remember, the title of today's message is, are we there yet, how many times did you ask the Lord in your journey, "Are, are we here yet, like, is this, is this it? Like, can we land here? Can we? And the Lord's like, no. And he's okay with us asking that. Not as much as okay if I'm ask, my brother asked me, hey, dude, are we there yet? I'm like, bro, if you ask me one more time. <laughs> no, but uh, we ask this question a lot. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And can we say praise God we weren't there yet? Yeah. Because he's taking us on a very big journey. Yeah. The last photo is just the significance of the team that he's building here. Uh, this, church, this church has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. And he sees it fit that he's building a team, and he's going to continue to build teams. He's going to build teams within families in this church. And it, it doesn't take you being a pastor to sacrifice as much as we do. That's true. Okay. I'm going to turn this off. Hopefully there's not weird Hold st- on. Let me, let, me, let me save you here. There we go. Okay. Don't want you to see my text that I send to Jamie. All right. So say, are we there yet? All right. Say refocus, again. refocus. Say, are we there yet? The answer is no, but we are moving towards all that God has for us. Amen. As Pastor Devin just showed you, um, a history through, through some pictures of what's been taking place since day one here in Denton. And, uh, telling you some stories there, and along the way, not only have we had all these amazing experiences, and we have so, so many testimonies, as well as many of you have testimonies for yourself from your time here already, and what the Lord's done, there have also been several pivotal God-given messages preached over the last five years. Now, you're lucky, because I wanted to walk through every single one of them, and Pastor Devin told me it was a terrible idea. It was. So we're going to shoot off like 12 of them. And if you remember them, great. I'm not going to go through them. Just to name a few, spark your memory. All the other ones that I wanted to list off are on YouTube, and I challenge you to go listen to every single one. Amen. All the way through. That would be amazing and greatly benefit you. <laughs> All right. As the first, one of the first pictures showed, one of the first series that we did as a church back in 2018 was the Holy Spirit series. Y'all remember that one? Yes. Man, that was like a four or five week series, I think. And I think by the end of it, all of us got absolutely trashed in the Holy Ghost. 
it was amazing. I know it was that series. I got filled with the Holy Ghost for the first time. I think many of you did as well. Ashlyn's nodding like she did. Oh, that day on that picture. Okay, there you go. I know it, that the, those specific weeks changed the trajectory of a lot of our lives in the room. And uh, that series will, will always hold dear to us. That is also on YouTube. Um, back in the MLK Center, we did a series called Mikvah Immersion. You all remember that one? A lot of you got baptized for the first time or the second or third, your most recent time. Uh, I was one of those. That was when I learned. Joshua was one of those. If you got baptized at the MLK Center during the Mikvah Immersion Series, raise your hand. There you go. Okay, yeah. If you got baptized last week, raise your hand. Amen. The Lord's doing some work. Many of us renewed our walk with the Lord back in 2019 during the Mikvah Immersion Series. This one's fun. Y'all remember this one. Don't cry on me. Kingdom culture from 2020. You know that one? Pastor Mike doesn't like us to talk about it, but you know that one where he had the measuring rod? Yep. Ouch is right. We talked about sonship that day. The measuring rod and how we always try to measure up, but the law of sin and death always tells us that we can't. But the Holy Spirit tells us that we do measure up even when we don't feel like it. Amen? Amen. That was a breaking point for a lot of us. 2020, we also went over Bind Me to the Altar. Man, wasn't that an anthem of Remnant Church for a period of time? I still have those hoodies, although the black ones are more comfortable now. Uh, Let's see. Ooh, y'all remember when Pastor Eric came in town in the summer of 2020? Christ and the celestial powers. Oh, mess with their theology right there. (laughs) What a great series that was. Anyone just tremendously blown away by how amazing and wondrous the Lord is? The family in the heavens, the hierarchy of the heavens, just everything that he set into place, that he has family on earth and he has family in heaven, and that we get to be a part of all of it together as the body of Christ. In 2021, Mike also preached a message called accommodation is devastation to your transformation. Mouthful. Accommodation is devastation to your transformation. That one speaks for itself. True. 2021, Pastor Mike also preached a message. Dirty bastards or divine sons? Mm. Bastard being one without parents, one without a father, a bastard child. Or divine sons, which is what the Lord has made us all into Amen. being. Amen. Come on. In 2021, we went through, or excuse me, 2022, which is my first series as a pastor, we got to walk through authentic discipleship. A seven-week heavy-duty series on what it looks like for a son and daughter of God to be an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ. We also, weeks later, went through the Mephibosheth series. Mephibosheth, speaking to you that you have, a t- you have a seat at the table as a son. Amen. That there is nothing that you have done or can do that the Lord will not pull you out of if you'd only ask. And he will seat you at his table no matter how dirty your rags are. He'll replace them with beautiful clothing. And then the most recent ones that we've preached, burn the ships. Don't be afraid to get wrecked. Evicting the straw man. The seven stages of demonic cohabitation and deliverance. 
We have been working through these things, and if you look back, you can go back on the YouTube, they're all there, and you can see the progression of all the different things the Lord has been showing us over the years. It's five years that the Lord has been uh, tenderizing, thank you, tenderizing our hearts. He has been tenderizing our hearts to be ready for what he wants us to do next, to be ready for what's coming and like we're going to talk about today, to learn to be thankful for what has happened, to dwell on what he's doing now, and to excitingly look forward to what's coming. Amen? Amen. There's so many more. Go back and listen to them. Uh, some of you in this room, we already did the raising hands thing. I won't do it again. Some of you have been here for all those messages I just mentioned. Some for uh, some of them. And some of you, just a few, if not your first. And, um, but the beautiful thing about this particular body and what the Lord's doing right now is that I don't care if this is your first Sunday or you were here day one with the Hutchinson family, because the Lord's doing a new thing every day that we wake up Amen. and he's continuing to take us on a journey that if you hopped on now or you hopped on five years ago, it's a beautiful thing. And it's only the beginning of where he's taking us five years in, we are still in the beginning of all the Lord wants to do. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's get into the scriptures. Turn to Genesis 26, verse 25. For those who are new and guests, thank you for bearing with us. Um, now you know us. Into the, yeah, now you know us. Say, are we there yet when you get to Genesis 26? Man, they're there. Genesis 26, verse 25. Isaac built an altar there. And called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. We have spent the last few weeks teaching you, encouraging you, and reminding you that we, like Isaac, are called to build an altar. Amen? Amen. Build your family and dig wells in the land God has planted you in. And, church, we want to tell you that God has been doing this work through us all along. It's not just something that we're teaching, it's something that we're doing. Whether you realize it or not, this last five years, what has God been doing? He's been building an altar. He's been building your families. And we are digging wells in this community. This morning, as a family, we want to be returning to that place where we first heard his voice. First received vision. And today, we walk out of this house wholeheartedly poised and ready to continue in this fantastic journey. Amen? I carry a strong belief that part of a son's greater deliverance comes with a recognition of God's faithfulness, even way before we ever said yes to taking hold of his hand and journeying with him. What do I mean by that? There's been some who have had encounters with Jesus said, Jesus, I walked with you today. But whether you realize it or not, if you even look back whenever you were first born, he's been there the entire time. The Holy Spirit has a way of walking us back in the future, though we are new creations, to show us his faithfulness. This is the, uh, a way that we receive greater freedom in him, is believing those things. This is why this morning the Holy Spirit is highlighting to us that as a church we must remember rightly all that has taken place in our lives and come to understand that at times we might have been so focused on the destination rather than all the beautiful details. True. 
Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we? Son, pay attention to all the details as we're driving through along in this journey. Did we miss in our reflection of the past, of what we've experienced, a smiling father standing beside you waiting for you to fall straight into his arms the whole time? We're so focused on the destination when we should be so focused on the face of God. Let us journey through a time of remembrance this morning. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 8. We're going to walk through Deuteronomy 8 this morning, then we're going to get you guys out of here and doing the work that God's called you to do. Deuteronomy 8. Say, there we are there. Verse 2. Remember. Say remember. Remember. How the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. Come on, we haven't been in the desert for 40 years, but we definitely had a 12-month stint where it was pretty, pretty nuts. Right? To humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Say, praise God. Praise God. Whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Come on, do you see that the father, he draws his sons to hunger, but it's not just to remain hungry hungry as a hungry beggar on the street, but then he provides manna. Which neither you nor your fathers had known. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out. And your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your hearts that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Come on, church. Can we all agree that we just, make, we just made a one-year journey in the wilderness? And after all this time, who has grown hunger and hunger for intimate fellowship with him and his people? There was more exposure in my heart and in this team's heart than there has ever been in my entire journey with Jesus. A lot of time we like to romanticize the journey just as much as we like to romanticize missions. But when you get on the mission field, it's the same as being here. We, we practice in here what we display out there. And there comes a day where you realize that this journey with the Lord gets a little messy sometimes, but it's okay. He's putting us all back together. But can you agree with me? In this last year, you've been tested. Not just tested, but tested and approved. We're beginning to see that God loves us enough to squeeze us so much so that things begin to come out of our heart. And he shows us, we repent, and we get to walk forward and reflect his glory that much more. Like I said, there was more exposure in my heart and this team's heart than there ever has been an entire journey with Jesus. This is his grace, and we should rejoice for such an experience. We all have gotten the firsthand experience of God taking his hand and forming and fashioning us into his intended image. So that we would be a pure reflection of the Son, tested and tried, but beaming all of his Father's glory. Is that you? Can you remember, church? Can you remember this last 12 months? Can I tell you how humbling it is? Not just thinking 12 months ago, but thinking to that first photo. Whenever I had all of you walk through, up the stairs, through a junkyard, 
up some wooden stairs into an unair-conditioned loft above a pawn shop. But that is where the fire fell. And that is what truly transformed everyone's hearts who stood in that place. Can I remind you that it does not matter what it looks like? It doesn't matter. And a lot of times God will humble us so much so that we look as if nothing so that he might be able to get all the glory. We ask the question many times along the journey, are we there yet? I was sitting in the pond. I'm being transparent right now. Dude, Lord, you sent us. You sent us from Chicago. We had beautiful family, many disciples, 200 plus people. And you brought us here. And I'm sitting in a pawn shop next to a jail, and I have homeless people throwing rocks at my bedroom window at night. And I'm asking the Lord, Lord, are we there? Is it, are we there? Are we there yet? Is this what you have for me? Think about this. I'm single. And imagine if I thought this was there and I never progressed in life. I wouldn't have Jamie. It's my wife. I wouldn't have my two sons, Zion and Zadok. Or what if, I, what if I would have settled in what looked beautiful in Chicago and I never, we, our family never came here. We said, yeah, we're there. You, get, you wouldn't be standing here. A lot of times, insignificant things are extremely significant to the Lord. Are we there yet? Or are we almost there? And we fail to realize the amazing privileges. The amazing privilege of just this. Taking a journey with your father, period. Isn't it a privilege to walk with the Lord? Then we could probably ask less, are we there yet? Moving forward, we must let go of our preconceived idea of what the destination looks like. And grow to be more excited about just the opportunity of commuting and communing with Abba. Eyes too focused on the destination will lose sight of all the beautiful scenery that this journey has for us. Who has wasted too much time focusing on the destination? I'll testify to this a little bit more. Whenever I get to the pawn shop and we start to see people coming, I start to become insatiable and I start to realize this isn't, this isn't what I imagined, Lord. Um, I imagined something more beautiful than this. I imagined that I would be at this place. I would imagine I would be making this much money by this time. I'd be, uh, what was real for me, especially for the single people, I imagined I'd be married by now. And I got so focused on the destination and the future um, that I was missing all the beautiful things that were happening in these photos here. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There was moments where I was present. I did receive such beautiful things. But how much heart did I render over to the feelings or these thoughts of, yeah, but this, but this. What about this? What about this? Are we there yet? Are we really there yet? Lord, are, you, are we really there yet? Because this is not the destination that I imagined. Church, I'm not saying as a whole I was distracted from all the beautiful things, but fractions of my heart definitely were. And remember what we're talking about in church and uh, worship this morning that God requires all? He even requires the fractions of your heart that still is looking for something different. He wants you to be completely satisfied along the journey. Isaiah 53 verse 2, this is a prophecy of Jesus to come. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a shoot out of dry ground. 
He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that that we should desire him. Jesus, a man of no earthly beauty, was the most glorious man who ever walked the earth. But many who encountered him could never see it. Church, in this journey, let it never be that we find ourselves judging mere appearance or how things might seem and lose true sight on what is truly glorious to the Father. No, Though Jesus, as we imagine him to be extremely handsome, buff, six-pack, definitely Caucasian. No, we thank you, Catholic Church, for that. That was horrible. No, he's Jewish. But Isaiah 53, I mean, I'm not talking smack. It, it says that there was no, nothing in his appearance that would draw us to him. He was just a regular old guy, just normal. But those with eyes, eyes to could see could see the true beauty. If we stop losing time, wasting time about looking at the beautiful destination that we can imagine. And church, let's face it, we live in America. It's really working against biblical culture. Where your life is about making it as beautiful as possible. I fall to this every single day. I have to test myself. I have to break myself before the Lord and say, man, am I running after my own beautiful ambitions or am I actually running after you, Lord? You need to consider what destination that you're actually going for. Jesus was not beautiful in the flesh, but absolutely in the most glorious thing with the eyes to see him. I want to... This is going to be a, this is, this started off as a family meeting. This is starting into a teaching, but this is me testifying. This is just, this is transparent. Are y'all good with transparent today? I must say in the five year journey, as I remember, which is an important thing today, remembering, I had to repent of this many times over. It's never how it turned, it is never turns out how I imagined it but it always turns out to be all that I needed to to be. I remember that with little skills and abilities, he carried me and my weakness into his perfected power being displayed in my life. There were times where I avoided opportunities to share his word because in my mind, it wasn't put together enough or beautiful enough to catch the eyes and the heart's of his sons and daughters' attention. By my own works, I'm trying to put something together to impress you, realizing that that would crumble and it is insufficient and and useless. And humility is where I found true food, similar to these men walking in the wilderness in Deuteronomy 8. And in humility is where I find the bread that... Uh, proceeds from the mouth of the Father, which feeds all of us. Y'all still in Deuteronomy 8? Let's pick up in verse 6. It says, Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in His ways and revering Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, praise the Lord, a land with streams, pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. 
a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Why? Yeah, he's worthy, yes, but there's something more in there that we're going to get to here in a second. Why should you praise the Lord for all the good things? Yes, he's worthy. Man, that's, we don't even, can't even begin to describe how worthy he Amen. is. Amen, come on. He is worthy. He is beautiful. He is amazing. There's nothing that we put our hands to that we did for ourselves that he did not help us do or enable us to do in the first place. Everything belongs to him. All the glory, all the honor, all the praise, it all belongs to him. Psalm 6930 says, I will praise the name of God with a song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Man. Man, if our lives looked like that every single day of our life. Magnifying him with thanksgiving. Magnifying him with thanksgiving is what enables us to continue on our journey refreshed and excited. Have you all been worn out from the journey the past year? You don't have to be afraid to say yes, I'm exhausted. Yes, at times I have been. We have been exhausted from the journey at times, right? And have you noticed that when you get to church and you start magnifying the Lord and heaping upon him praise upon praise upon praise and glory and honor and majesty do unto your name, all of these beautiful things that are true, you start feeling a little better about yourself. You start feeling your, your mood lightens. That weight kind of comes off your shoulders. It's because you stepped into the presence of your father. You stepped into the presence of your father and you began magnifying him with thankfulness, as David says in Psalm 69. Magnifying him with thankfulness allows us to sit with him and rest after a few hard weeks. Can I tell you, I was talking to my wife a couple weeks ago, right when we, let's see, this was wedding week, and we get to Friday afternoon, we're about to go to the rehearsal Friday evening, and we sit down, she's giving me a haircut like she amazingly does and she said and I look at her and I'm just kind of like you know I think I'm I'm just now really honestly learning what power being perfected in my weakness looks like and it came on the back of two weeks and for some of you men this includes some of you men and women for that matter it came on the back of two weeks of maybe three hours of sleep a night 8 or 9 a.m. to noon, working our job, and from noon to 3 or 4 in the morning every day for two weeks here at this property, putting it back together so we could do this. I'm not saying that to say we're amazing and we deserve credit and glory. No, that's the opposite of what I'm saying. I'm saying to say that we were exhausted. Yeah. Like beat. I mean beat. And we are learning and even now are still learning as we continue to put things together that the Lord would allow us to that we are just now really getting a grip on what his power being perfected in our weakness looks like. Amen. We're, we're done with standing up here pretending to be better than we are. We're done standing up here pretending to be full of joy and energy. And instead, let's just get real before our Father and let him actually give us joy. the supernatural energy and joy that it takes to accomplish things, right? We couldn't have gotten any of this done. This room wouldn't be here without his power being perfected in our weaknesses. Amen. And that looks like coming to him with a heart of gratitude. A heart of gratitude that says, thank you, Lord, for this place. Thank you, Lord, for my spouse or my kids or my sisters or my brothers. 
or my family that the Lord has given me. When you're winning, praise the Lord. When you're on top of the mountain, praise the Lord. And when you are beat down, exhausted, feels like you've been to hell and back, praise the Lord. Amen. Magnify him with thanksgiving. Man, I'm telling you, some of you, I've told you this personally. Magnifying the Lord with thanksgiving. You could spend the rest of your life telling him how good he is and never run out of things to say. Ever. He's that good to his church. Our lives as sons and daughters should be marked with gratitude and praise. Because regardless of how hard things might seem at times, we are in the palm of his very hand. When we do not have a constant heart of thanksgiving or praise towards the Lord for all that he's done, and that isn't where our eyes and our hearts are fixed upon, it'll lead to what comes next in verse 11 of Deuteronomy 8. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large, when you increase in number, when your gold increases and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God wow. who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Did that verse not just describe this season right now at Remnant Church. Man, we're, we've eaten and we are satisfied with the goodness of the land. We have a fine place the Lord has allowed us to lay our head at night and lay our heads on Sunday and rest in his presence together as a family and meet with him. Our herds and our flocks are growing. The family of God and believers within Remnant Church is growing. Amen. We are multiplying everywhere you look. But as our hearts proud, because we think that we did something along the journey, that because we put our hand to this, it succeeded. Saints, praise and thanksgiving is the pathway to keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. It will, you will make it so much harder on yourself if you do not live a life consistent with praise and thanksgiving. When he's not on the forefront of our minds, we become selfish self-obsessed and it all becomes about us and what we have done for ourselves and will continue to do for ourselves when you wake up thinking about what you want to do tomorrow or what you need to do tomorrow or what your wife wants you to do tomorrow how often do we lose sight of asking him in the morning what would you have morning. me do today lord yes you are worthy of every breath that i have to breathe today in my lungs Every single one. What would you have me do with that breath before I get to my stuff? Many of you have heard things like this directly from me the past several weeks as we've been, this stuff has been building and we've been building this place and the Lord's been working in our hearts, weeding out the things in us that don't belong. My wife actually was decorating our room over the weekend and she framed the papers that our wedding vows were written on. And she put them on the wall for every guest who walks in our bedroom to see. <laughs> that does not mean you're invited to walk into our bedroom. <laughs> that means that when the time comes that you receive an invite, you may or may not see them on the wall. Listen, not only is that awesome, but I wanna use this as an example. It's awesome, and you know what it does for both of us? And she got there before I did. It causes us to remember 
the goodness of God and who he has blessed us with, right? It causes me to remember her on the forefront of my mind every day when I get up. Obviously, yes, yeah, she's sitting next to me when I get up in the morning. But when I walk around the bedroom, getting ready, whatever it is, and the, one of the first things I see on that wall is our wedding vows, thank you, Lord. That whether she was on my mind at the moment or not, thank you, Lord, for an easer. Thank you, Lord, for a family. Thank you for a godly wife who's an example to many and many. It causes me to engage with the vows we made that day to the commitment and covenant that I made with my wife and how important, how just as important they are today as they were then. When you set your face towards the Father and the covenant you made with him and the vows you made to him and all the beautiful things he's done for you, when you set your face before him and you remember those things with praise and thanksgiving, it keeps you from becoming proud, self-obsessed, and selfish. Many in this room we know are dealing with some of those very things today. Yep. The Lord wouldn't have put it on our hearts if it wasn't. He gives us things to speak to us first and foremost and that Remnant Church needs as a body so that we might continue to grow in our faith and in our character. And some of you in this room are dealing with selfishness. Some of you in this room have experienced a life in the past where you were humble. You poured everything out. You sacrificed everything. And now you're just having a hard time sacrificing one of the easiest things that would be to sacrifice. The place you fix that is one, alone with your Father, setting your face towards His with praise and thanksgiving. Amen. Praise and thanksgiving, I will say it over and over again, it's the fix to every one of your issues. Because every one of our issues start with being self-obsessed of some sort of fashion. Yeah. They start, if, if Pastor Devin does something and I have a problem with it, then why would I be offended at that? Especially if he didn't do anything directly to me on purpose. But maybe I didn't like the way he said something. Did you catch that? I didn't like the way he said something. That's selfish in and of itself, just that I got offended at something that, whether he meant it or not, he said something I didn't like the way it sounded. But my mind wasn't focused on the Father. My mind's focused on what came out of Devin's mouth and how that impacts me not us or not the kingdom or not my daily role in his kingdom me heart posture is everything and when you posture yourself before the lord first in repentance sorry first in magnifying with thankfulness second in repentance third in lord wash me tabernacle all day lord what would you have me do let me intercede for my brothers and sisters the best prayer time in your prayer closet is when you go before the Lord to get something for yourself and he puts every single one of your friends on your mind. That, a couple weeks ago, that, no, no kidding, that was me. I sat in the truck and I was like, Lord, I've been, I feel, I'm feeling distant from you. I'm feeling distant from you. And I sat down in the car. I had like a two-hour drive to make, so I was driving by myself. And I started praying and not even two minutes into my prayer, he starts putting names of everyone in this room on my mind. And I'm like, Lord, I love them, and I did not want to pray for them right now. <laughs> I need some encouragement for myself. And the Lord's like, you watch what I do. You start thanking the Lord for them and praying for them and interceding for them. I have never felt so filled up in my life after that two hours of driving. 
and not once did I pray for myself. I'm not saying that, again, to say we're awesome, but man, what the Lord will do when you take your mind off of you. This is what will keep you from finding yourself, like in Deuteronomy 8, becoming proud and haughty eyes and forgetting the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt in the land of slavery. Saints, God has a greater purpose for all of us. And some of us just need to get before the Father and start thanking Him for what He's already done. For those of you that have had vision and purpose in your life, and He has spoken that to you in the past, but maybe you're feeling dry right now. Maybe you're like, man, that vision's not really coming to pass like I thought it would. The destination's not where I thought it would be. We're not there yet. I'm disappointed. Maybe you just need to start thanking the Lord again, and maybe he'll revive that thing in you that he placed in you so long ago. Maybe you receive vision on day one, and you're dull today because you haven't allowed him to cultivate that fire and reignite that in you. Some of you are looking for purpose and vision, and maybe some of you are getting there, but you're looking for it just to start with. Whether you're single, married, whatever, you're looking for it, the place you're going to find it, is in a place like today where his presence is, where we're magnifying him, where we're thanking him, we're praising him, and we're encouraging everyone to do it with us. This morning, as we continue in Deuteronomy 8, our goal is to encourage you, spur you on, spur you forward, to get to a place of excitement, excitement for all that the Lord has done and will do through each and every one of us together as Remnant Church as a whole. Deuteronomy 8, verse 11, that Pastor Landon just preached um, is so important because God's pointing out to us that we must remain humble. Yeah. And you know a way that we do it? Since we're thinking about remembrance, we remember how he brought us out of Egypt. Yes. What you say is, thank you, Lord, for my deliverance. Thank you, Lord, for my deliverance. So that I, I get to take part and watching others be delivered. Amen. This is how you become everything God's intended you to be without having to pray for yourself. Yeah. Deuteronomy 8, verse 17. You there? Yeah. It says, you may say to yourself, oh no, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Man, when you start actually doing something successful. This is a temptation. This is the pride of life. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant, which He, stores, uh, uh, which he swore to your fathers as it is today. Pause. A manifestation of covenant with God is prosperity, but not in the prosperity that... Prosperity preachers like to preach it. Prospering in Him. Yeah. Homelessness is a sign of brokenness, of poverty, of heart that God can heal. What He's trying to say here is, hey, you are obtaining all these things. Praise God for it, but do not ever consider that it was your ability that did it for you. Yeah. We're not a uh, poverty-minded Christians or Christianity. You know, we thrive in the kingdom of God. Whether that looks like finances or not, I don't pray for finances. I just pray for his will. But when you do obtain things, 
When you begin to make money, when you get fine houses, when you have beautiful children and you have a beautiful life, do not ever consider it to be that it was the strength of your hands that got it. It is him who gave you the ability to do so. Verse 19. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. It sounds intense, but it's the most beautiful wreckage that could ever happen in your life, by the way. Whenever God begins to rip down idols in your life, whenever he begins to shift your perspective, he takes everything from you. And it's because he has something way better for you. Again, alluding back to the, what the Holy Spirit's speaking, I know this sounds very uh, Christianese, but God requires all. You're like, yeah, yeah. No, like, true. Like, he really does. But he gives you everything that you need. Do never, never consider that he or that you are the one that gathers and grows and gets everything. He causes it to grow. Like any journey, you begin to obtain more than what you were set out on the journey with. Do not be fooled. Anything that you currently possess now that holds any value comes from the Father and the Father alone. He is generous to give to those in need. Amen? Amen. But brothers and sisters, you must be generous to give it back. Freely you have received, you freely give. Remember, this is the importance of building an altar first like Isaac, according to Genesis 26 that we read. Because you go to it offering all, and you walk away with all that you need to sustain you for the road ahead. You're like, Lord, I entrust you with everything. I give it all to you. He says, praise the Lord, son. I give everything, all of me to you. Note that in Genesis 26, it was said that Isaac's servants dug the well. We haven't talked much about that. He builds an altar. He pitches his tent, building a family. And then it says, not Isaac dug the well. His servants dug the well. This is proper leadership. You provide a platform for your sons to sow into the ground. And work that God, and the work that God has planted you in. So in turn, when all the wells are doing really well (laughs) for you, you'd never be able to point anywhere but to him and them. And their faithfulness to keep digging the springs that the Father showed them. How important as leaders or husbands that we provide a platform, let's say fathers and husbands, that we provide a platform for our families to be able to grow and thrive in the kingdom. It's not about your well. It's not about what you can do. It's about everything they can do. And it's all about you being able to equip them to do that work. If we rid selfishness along the journey and we put our eyes and we focus our eyes back on him, we start to realize that we're way more effective that way let us not forget in the midst of seasons of provision that it is he who owns the whole field in seasons of provision it is he who owns the whole field and it is our responsibility to go dig up more treasure 
Think about that. I'm talking about the parable of the, the lost coin. A man gets a coin, he goes, hides it in the field. He's so excited, he buys the whole field. I was listening to a Jason Upton song, and this is where I got this from. It really wrecked me. He's like, the lyric says that he bought the whole field, and he keeps digging up more treasure. What if it wasn't just the lost coin, but there was many? He bought the whole thing for you. Now our responsibility as sons is we go pick up a shovel and, hey, Father, let's go like, look for more treasure. You are all treasure in this place. Yeah. And now you have a responsibility to go dig up more treasure. Deuteronomy 9, 1-6. says, Hear, O Israel, you are now about to cross to the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you with large cities that have walls up to the sky. Let's follow the progression just really quick because this is important. The progression is in Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 5. The Lord says, hey, remember how I did this for you. When you were nothing, I brought you up and made you something. You were nothing in Egypt. You were nothing but rotten slaves. And I brought you up, called you my own, put fine clothes on you, and called you forward with me. In Deuteronomy 8, 6 through 10, the Lord brings them into a good land. He's pulled them up and brought them out of Egypt, and now he's saying, look, I've clothed you, I have watered you, I have fed you, I have given you drink, I've given you everything you need. Now it's time to build. Let's put you in a good land, a land with water, a land with pomegranates and oil and honey, a land where you will never hunger. Continuing in Deuteronomy 8, but remember that when you eat and are satisfied, do not forget me. Come on. Do not see what I have done for you and forget because you think you've done it for yourself. In 17 through 20, you may say, don't, but you might. My pow the power of my hands have done this and created this for me. The Lord says, like the nations... The Lord destroyed before you. You'll be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. So hopping into Deuteronomy 9, there's been a whole progression of him taking you out of nothing, making you something, placing you in a land where he gives you an opportunity to build, to help him build. He gives you the ability to do so. You do. You grow. You flourish. You have everything you need. You have a big family. And then the last warning, man, do not forget this. And don't say this. After all this time, don't do this. Now they've come to a place where it's time to go back to war. And he says, you are now about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you. With large cities that have walls up to the sky. This is 9 verse 2. Yes. The people are strong and tall, Anakites. You know about them. And I've heard it said... Who can stand up against the Anakites? But be assured today, be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. He will destroy them, he will subdue them before you, and you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly. Amen. As the Lord has promised you, after the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourself, <laughs> 
The Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, it is on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness or your integrity. Wow. That you are going in to take possession of the land. Did you catch that? Not your righteousness nor your integrity. Are men of God supposed to have integrity? Yes. Yes. Is it supposed to be godly integrity? Yes. Yes. And it's still not because of your godly integrity that you have the land you have right now. That is not it. It is his righteousness alone. Not your righteousness, not your integrity, not your humility, not your thankfulness. He gets grace. Excuse me. He gets uh, glory for everything. Picking up back in verse 5, it's not because of your righteousness or integrity that you're going in to take possession of their land, but on account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore from day one, what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand then that it is not because of your righteousness the Lord's giving you this land, for you are a stiff-necked people. Church, God has always used imperfect men to accomplish his perfect plan for mankind. Do not spend a single second considering whether or not you measure up such a task. Amen. That was that kingdom culture message, man. Do not for a second think that you don't measure up. Amen. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you're at now. You could be the most righteous out of all of us in this room. I don't care. The Lord will use the least righteous in this room. The first will be last. The last will be first. Everyone plays a part. And no one does not measure up. Everyone measures up because Christ has deemed it so. He has called you a son and he has called you into his glory so that you might play a part in building his kingdom. And it's not by the righteousness of our own hands that we build these things, but by his that we will accomplish them. Yes. It is the Lord who goes before us in all things like a devouring fire, consuming our enemies. He defeats them. He subdues them. Yet he still invites us to play a part in annihilating them and driving them out. Amen. He gives us the fun part. He catches them and lets us annihilate them <laughs> and kick them out. It's not our righteousness that gets it done, but he allows us to participate in his righteousness and annihilate the enemies that go before us. As Pastor Devin has been speaking this week, he's more after David's in this land than he is Saul's. He's not looking for Saul and all of his godly integrity and righteousness to pick up his armor and go fight the enemy. He's looking for David's who, even though they only have five rocks and a sling, are willing to go participate with the Lord in his righteousness and watch the enemy fall before their feet. Amen. That's what he's looking for, a man after his own heart. This is what makes any man in the kingdom effective. This is what makes your leaders effective. This is what makes you effective. This is why there's no difference between your leaders and you. Because every one of us should be men after God's own heart. Amen. And the more that we follow and the more we seek out his face and his heart and give him all the glory he deserves, the more we grow, the more we accomplish by his doing, not our own. Saints, as we start to close out, it's time that our eyes be refocused on the purpose, the mission, the vision, and direction that he is speaking from the heavens 
amongst many families in this room today. Because sons and daughters with a dream, a vision, and with God-given direction cannot be stopped. Y'all turn to Psalm 126. As you're turning there, I want to clarify a couple points, and they're pretty obvious. In Deuteronomy 9, Israel is about to go dispossess nations, kick the enemies out of the land, kill them off. We're not encouraging to go kill anybody. Absolutely not. Because we don't fight against flesh and blood, but ever every power, authority, principality. But what you should be going to kill is all the enemies within your heart. Anything that's left in the land that has been taunting you from continuing to just enjoy your time along the tree with the Father. Psalms 126, verse 1. This came as a word about three weeks ago. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, it was said among all their neighbors, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we were filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. And he who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaths with them. This morning, God has come to restore the dreams of his people. Because if we are those who have a dream, then we definitely have taken hold of his joy. The manifestation of those who have visions and dreams and direction from the Father is unquenchable joy. That means I don't have to provoke you during worship to be joyful. You have already received the dream and vision from the Lord, and it's just you can't help but be joyful. Go ahead and stand with me. Do you believe that his works will be accomplished and you will see what he has promised? Then you have no other choice but to pour out with joy and laughter of the days to come. Are we there yet? No. Are we getting there? Amen. We're definitely moving forward. So the way that we're going to wrap this up, we're going to spend a few minutes in prayer. Could you grab the hands with those next to you? Pastor Landon and I wanted to remind you of all that we've been called to do. That we, if there's any areas of settlement in our hearts, getting it out today. And remind you that we're not quite there yet, but we're getting there and God's taking us on the journey. But here's what we're going to pray. That the Holy Spirit reminds you of the dream and vision that he gave you first. In the book of Revelation, the church of Ephesus was warned, I see your deeds, I see your good works, but I have this one thing against you. Return to your first love and the deeds that you did at first. What's so important about first? First steps when your kids, 
First love when you meet your wife. First time that you learn how to ride a bike. What's so important? First time that you hear a word from the Lord and vision from him. What's so important about this? Because it was the first time. It was the purest time ever. There'll never be a first again. But we definitely can live in that first love. As he reminds us and as we remember that he's delivered us and he's calling us to a good work. But what is he specifically calling you to? So church, let's pray.